Praise the Lord. By the way, in case uh, it wasn't mentioned, uh, there, the table out there in the foyer will be available at the end of this service from the youth department. They're going to be uh, doing pre-registrations or registrations for that. And plus, there's some things out there that you can purchase that will go towards uh, blessing uh, a young person and helping them to get there to that breakaway. The hoodie that I bought that, it's not my size. <laughs> what do you think of young people who try to get over on their pastor like that? I don't understand. We're not going to talk about Haley this morning, though. <laughs> That's for another Sunday. As you can tell, I'm not the most handsomest man in the world. Ah. Yet, somehow, I was able to win the heart of the prettiest girl in the world. Fire. Sizzling, sizzling. I want to talk to you about this three-letter word this, uh, called yet. It's, it can be used as a conjunction, which means it could be used as a word that connects two things together that ordinarily would not be connected. As an example, not the most handsomest to the prettiest. Looking with me in the book of Romans, because we're going to start there and just say use a little base, if you will, as to what we need to talk about this morning regarding this word, yet. In Romans chapter 3, verse 23, the Bible says, For everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. Yet God, come on, say that with me. Yet God, with undeserved kindness, declares that we are righteous. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty for our sins. The Bible here declares that everyone has sinned. I have sinned. You have sinned. We have all sinned, which means we have violated God's commandments in one form or another. And because of that, the Bible says we've also all fallen short of God's glorious standard. And by that glorious standard, it means his holiness. Uh, we fall short every single time. And because we've all sinned, we all deserve God's judgment. For the Bible says this in the book of Ezekiel, chapter 18, verse 4. For all people are mine to judge. This is God speaking. Both parents and children alike. And this is my rule. The person who sins is the one who will die. In Romans chapter 5, verse 12, one more verse says, Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin, in this way, death came to all people 
because all sinned. Okay, so in Ezekiel, God says, all souls are mine. Everyone belongs to me. I'm God. I created all things. And here's my rule. The soul that sins, the person who sins, the penalty for their sin is death. And we know that, as Romans says, that sin entered the world through one man's disobedience. That was Adam in the garden. Because Adam disobeyed God, death came into the world, and now as a result of, of sin, the penalty for sin is death. Well, man physically would now die. And so, in addition to that, we have the, phys, the, the spiritual death, which is separation from God. Because of sin, and we've all sinned, because we've all sinned, we have... This judgment that's upon all of us. Number one, there's the judgment of physical death where everyone is going to die. At some point in some time, unless you're alive when the Lord returns, we're all going to die. Secondly, we're all born into death in that we are all born separated from God. That's that inner emptiness that we all feel in our spirit, in our soul, that no matter what we deal with in life, something is missing. And that's because we were created by God for God. But because of sin, we were separated from God. And that separation is called spiritual death. So now, and back in our text, we were all under that judgment, yet the Bible says, yet God, with undeserved kindness or grace, declares that we are righteous through Christ. In other words, through Jesus Christ, we pass from death to life. Where not only when we die on this earth physically, but when the Lord comes back or the end of all things happen, we will be resurrected to be with the Lord forever and ever and have eternal life. Right now here on the earth, we can experience spiritual life in that now through Jesus Christ and his sacrifice on the cross, our sin is put away, is dealt with. Jesus paid the price for your sin and my sin, and that's, that price was death on the cross of Calvary. And because of that, God declares us righteous. We are in a right standing with God, and as a result of that, we can reunite with God and have that relationship with God where we experience spiritual life. Are you with me? Okay. So this word yet, which simply means still or nonetheless, remember, it's a conjunction that connects two things that ordinarily would not be connected. Spiritually, because we're all born into sin, because we're all born separated from God, we cannot be, ever be righteous in God's eyes. We can never have a relationship with God. Yet God took care of that through the sacrifice of his son, Jesus Christ, on the cross. Another simple example of this phrase is King David. You know David in the Bible? Uh, David was the youngest and the, uh, the least of all of his brothers. Yet God chose David to be the next king of Israel. So even though David was the least important in his family, 
to the measure that his own father did not even have him present when the prophet came to anoint the next king. His father didn't even think David was worthy enough to be in the room. He was out there taking care of the sheep. Yet God was the one who chose David to be the next king. So this word yet acknowledges a current situation, but it declares a different outcome. Let me say that one more time. Especially when connected with God, when we're yet God, it's, it's declaring a situation, but yet a different outcome of that situation. Let me explain. In Psalm 78, in the 37th verse and the 38th verse, their hearts were not loyal to him. They were not faithful to his covenant, yet he was merciful. He forgave their iniquities and did not destroy them. So here, again, the two the connection where God has declared the soul that sins is the, is the soul that will die, and yet the people, uh, were, God's people at times were not faithful to walk in obedience to his word, yet God is merciful and was merciful and did not treat them as their sin deserves. And how many know there's a yet God is merciful every single day in our life? Right? We've all been in that place where every single day, in one way or another, we fail God. In one way or another, we sin. Yet God does not treat us as our sin deserves. Would you say amen to that? Yet God is merciful to you and to me. In the prophet Isaiah, in chapter 54, verse 10, the Bible says this, Though the mountains be shaken and the hills be removed, yet my unfailing love for you will not be shaken, nor my covenant of peace be removed, says the Lord, who has compassion on you. So what the Lord is saying here is when your world is being shaken, when all hell is breaking loose around you, when there's things that are important to you that are still being removed from your life, yet God will continue to love us with an unshakable love and a peace that cannot be removed. In other words, brothers and sisters, ladies and gentlemen, in this life, the Bible says we're going to have trouble. Trouble comes to every single one of us, regardless of whether we're living right before God or not. Trouble comes into every one of our lives. And there are times where all of a sudden our world begins to be shaken. Things begin to fall apart. Things begin to get removed. And we begin to wonder what in the world is going on. And God is saying, though your world is all falling apart and being shaken, yet there is something that will never be shaken. There is something that will never be removed from your life. That's my love and my peace. Amen. Yet God, in the 31st Psalm, in the 21st verse, the Bible says this. Praise be to the Lord, for he showed me the wonders of his love. When I was in a, uh, in a city under siege, in my alarm, I said, I am cut off from your sight. Yet, come on, say yet with me. Yeah. Yet, you heard my cry for mercy when I called to you for help. 
Here, what the psalmist is declaring once again, my life has been under siege. Things are happening, and I'm thinking I'm being cut off from God. I don't seem to find where God's presence is anymore. And yet, irrespective of how I feel, when I cry out to God, God heard my cry. Brothers and sisters, I'm going to tell you, one of the things why we gather every Wednesday in this place to cry out to God and to call upon his name is, is because it doesn't go by what we feel. It's not a matter about whether we feel good or not. It's not about whether we think that we are spiritually strong or weak. We gather together because we have a God that hears and answers prayer. Would you say amen to that? Second Timothy chapter 3, verse 10 and 11 says this. You, however, know all about my teaching, my way of life, my purpose, my faith, my patience, love, endurance, persecutions, sufferings. What kind of things happened to me in Antioch, Iconium, Lystra, the persecutions I adore, I endured. Yet the Lord rescued me from all of them. No matter what the Apostle Paul went through, he was able to say, yet God delivered me. Yet God saw me through. No matter what we are dealing with in life, yet God can deliver us from every single situation. Would you say amen to that? In the book of 2 Kings, we have a situation there in chapter 3 where both the king of Judah and the king of Israel, because at that point in time, Israel was separated into two kingdoms, the northern and the southern. They both got together and decided, let's join forces and attack Moab, one of the enemies of God. And they decided, we're going to attack Moab by going through the desert because they're never going to expect us to come from that angle. And so they did that. They never talked to God about it. They never consulted with God on this. They just felt this was the best plan of attack. The problem was, before they got to Moab, they ran out of water. And they couldn't find any in the desert. So now, they are all concerned because they, they, they thought... God was with them, and they thought this thing was going to work out, but now they can't find any water. One of them discovers that the prophet is among them. So they call for the prophet and say, hey, could you inquire and ask God, what are we going to do now? Or what are we supposed to do? So the prophet said, hey, get somebody to play an instrument, and, and as they're playing, I, I'll wait on God and see what God tells me. And God answered the prophet and spoke to the prophet. And this is what he said in 2 Kings chapter 3, verse 16 through 18. And he said, this is what the Lord says. You will see neither wind nor rain. Yet, come on, say yet with me. Yet this valley will, yet this valley will be filled with water. And you, your cattle, and your other animals will drink. This is an easy thing in the eyes of the Lord. So in other words, what God was saying, you're here. You didn't consult me. 
You're in this place because you made a bad decision. And now you're coming to me for this and, and asking me to help. And here's, here's my response to you. There's not going to be any wind. There's not going to be any rain. But I'm going to supply the water that you need. In other words, God is saying to them, you're not going to have any physical evidence. There's, I'm going to do a miracle, and you're not going to be able to see the miracle coming. You're not going to be able to evaluate this thing. I'm telling you, I'm going to do something supernatural to you. See, because they thought if the wind kicked up and the clouds started forming and the rains came, someone could always say, well, it wasn't God. It was just nature's time to rain. So God decided, I'm going to do a miracle, and here's how I'm going to do it. You're not going to have any evidence of it. But water's going to come. And sure enough, the next day, they get up, and water's all over the place. They were able to water their animals. They were able to uh, drink and satisfy their thirst. And by the way, they went on, and God told them they can go on, and God, they defeated Moab, you see. No physical way to provide water, yet God would abundantly provide for it, you see. Listen to me now, because there are things that can take place in our life, issues that we're dealing with that, if we can be honest, are there because we made bad decisions. We're dealing with issues simple because we talked to God and waited to see what God would say. We just came to a conclusion. This is the best angle. This is the best approach. Let's do this. And now you find yourself, like the children of Israel, in a bad place because of the decision you make, and you don't know what to do. And now you can come to God. And what I love about God's situation is he was not judgmental. That's a good place for you to say Amen. Instead of saying, well, I'm not going to answer you because you're, you're there because of your own bad decisions, so get yourself out of that. No. Remember, yet God is merciful. And so God did something supernatural. And I want to tell you this morning that there are some of us that are in a bad place because of our own decisions. And God is saying to us today, I am going to make a way where there is no way. I am going to provide a miracle for you so that you will know it was nothing less than the hand of the Lord that provided for your need. He is going to make a way where there currently is no way. Come on, say amen with me on that. This is why, brothers and sisters, ladies and gentlemen, every one of us should have the attitude that we find in the book of Habakkuk in chapter 3. Though the fig tree does not bud, and there are no grapes on the vine, though the olive crops fail, and the fields produce no food, though there is no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, come on, say it with me, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. Notice the, 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 the prophet here is saying, I have no physical evidence. There is nothing going on in my life 
physically for which people should say you can rejoice in God. But even though I don't have anything physically to rejoice in the Lord, yet I'm going to rejoice in the Lord. I'm still going to magnify the name of the Lord. Why? Because my rejoicing isn't founded upon physical blessing. It's founded upon who God is. Now, here's the thing about this. We need to be careful that we don't fall into having what I call a false faith. Here's what false faith is. False faith is, well, God's healed me, so I'm not receiving that I'm sick because God's healed me. Well, you can't receive healing unless you first are sick. And the false faith says, I'm, I'm, I'm not sick, even though I'm hacking over a storm over here. I got a fever. I got, I, I got this 102 temperature. I'm not sick. I'm not receiving that. See, that's a false faith. Notice, when it comes to yet God, it, it, it's not denying the presence of something that is not going well. It's acknowledging there's something that is not going well, but it's going to go out well. Why? Because in the middle is yet God. God is the connector between the negative uh, situation, if you want to call it negative, whatever is not going well, and, 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 the, and the outcome that God is going to declare is going to happen. You say, I can't see that happening by, based upon what I see there. It's because we don't see who's in the middle. Yet God, you see. Yet God. See, true faith acknowledges the current situation, but believes that there's a different outcome. Because God is in control, you see. When we're sick in our body and the doctors were hope, aren't hopeful in their diagnosis, yet God has the last word. When the marriage is on the rocks and everything physically seems that this marriage is not going to make it, it can be totally reconciled because in the middle is yet God. Because God can bring reconciliation. God can bring love where love is now absent. You can have a, a loved one that's far from God. You can have a situation where you have a family member. You can have someone that you're close to, somebody that you've been praying for. They are so far from God that it doesn't seem like they will ever be saved. Yet God is able to reach those that are fathers from him. God's arm, as the Bible says, as the saying goes, is not too short. Like when God told the, the, the children of Israel, this is an easy thing for God. It's an easy thing for me to bring that loved one, to see that loved one saved. It's an easy thing for me to open up their eyes so that they might see. Worship team, if you would come back, please. Physically sick, yet God can heal. Marriage in trouble, yet God can bring reconciliation. Finances a wreck and don't seem how we're going to get see out of this. Yet God can open up the windows of blessing and see you through. 
habit that I can't break, yet God can bring deliverance in a moment, you see. No matter what our situation may be, yet God can turn it all around. Simply put, in this year of the theme of seeing clearly, it is my hope and desire, and the desire of our Lord, therefore, I believe, that every one of us would see clearly that no matter what the physical situation may be, yet God can turn it around. In other words, there is no such thing as a hopeless situation because God can move on behalf of any need at any time. We serve a God that is rich in mercy. We serve a God that because he loved us so much, even though we were sinful, even though we were far from him, yet God made us righteous through what Christ did on the cross of Calvary. And if God will do that by, by uh, the sacrifice of his son, will he not yet do more in our life? This is not about believing in me or this church. It's not even believing in yourself. Because there are some of us that we, we, we struggle with prayer because we feel that God won't answer our prayer. We don't know how to pray. We're not eloquent enough. And, and look at our life. We're not living the life we should be. You can say all of those things. I'm not what I ought to be. I'm not living how God would want me to live. Yet God still hears and answers prayer. Yet God is still merciful and could hear the cry of our heart. Oh, we serve such a God who is rich in mercy, who wants to declare to you and I today, don't look to yourself. Don't look to the left or to the right. Look to heaven for what's coming to your help because your help comes from the Lord.